0: And then Linus responds and our, he responds with our text this morning, Luke chapter two. And he just quotes Luke chapter two then looks at him and says, that's what Christmas is all about. And today people are asking the same kind of question, but instead of what Christmas is about, a lot of them will ask why, why do we have Christmas? Why do we do this? Why do we do that? And the world's gotten so commercialized with it, they forgot what Jesus is and what Christmas is about and, and what happened. So this morning, the, as I said, well, why Christmas? I wanna look at Christmas morning over 2000 years ago in a little town of Bethlehem where the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings was born. And I wanna look and ask why. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them and saw said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad, saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So this morning as we we come, I I want us to ask the question, why? Why? And one of the first things that struck me is I have three things that, that when I read the story that I wanted to ask why. And the first one was why, why they're in a know-nothing town like Bethlehem. You know, just, just a few miles up the road was Jerusalem, the capital, the place the temple was, the place where worship happened. But instead in a little bitty no nothing town of, of Bethlehem, But Bethlehem is is called the city of David. It's a place forever associated with David, the shepherd king. And it reminds me of of the place, the fact that the, the, the good shepherd was born there. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. See, our shepherd was born there. Much as David had been who had been a shepherd, we know the story of him defending his sheep and, 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 and defeating the bear and the lion. But our shepherd was born there. And you think a good shepherd like David, he leads, he provides, and he protects. When David wrote the 23rd Psalm, he was talking about the shepherd, but he was talking about God the shepherd. And he said in Psalm 23, verse 1 through 4, he said, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk to the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Think about that. We have a God who was born in a shep, as a shepherd's child in a stable who, who provides for us. David said it best. He said, the Lord's my shepherd and I shall not want. And you think about that. When you're a child of God, you shouldn't want because God supplies your needs. No, there's things you might you might desire. There are things that you might wish for, but God sees to you and He takes care of you and and He He leads you. I like He said, He leads me beside the paths of still water. God takes you where you need to go. As a shepherd takes the flock where the food is, as a shepherd takes the flock where the comfort is, God does that for us. He protects us with that rod and that staff. Sometimes it's to keep the enemy away, and sometimes it's to pull us away from the enemy and the things. That's the kind of shepherd we have. So when you think about Bethlehem, be reminded of that good shepherd and the fact that he takes care of you and he protects you. You know, this morning, I don't know about you, as I come to worship my Savior, I know I can say I'm one of his sheep and that he's my shepherd. As Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, listen to this. He said, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep heareth his voice. Oh, I love this part. He calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And he put forth his own sheep, and he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. This morning, do you know the voice of the good shepherd? Are you listening? When you think of Jesus born in Bethlehem, remember he's your shepherd and he's leading you. And are you listening to him? If not, today would be the best day in the time to come to know Jesus Christ as your shepherd, as your Lord and Savior, wouldn't it? What an awesome thing it would be. Now, I'll tell you something else about Bethlehem. Bethlehem actually means the place of bread. And it, 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 it is on that night. Think about that. On Christmas Eve, on that night, on Christmas Day, when, when the bread of life came to man. In John chapter 6, verse 5, verse five through 11, or verse 11, excuse me, Jesus said, Excuse me, verse 51. I'll read it right in a minute. I am the living bread which come down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You know, you could hunger after all kind of things. You can hunger and you can try to satisfy yourself with everything the world has to offer. And, and isn't it amazing? Satan likes to make it look good, don't he? Oh, if you do this, it'll be great. If you focus on this, you'll be wonderful. But the bread of life is what we need in our life. Because it's what satisfies. It's what nourishes you. And Jesus says, I am that bread. He came from the place of bread. He was born in Bethlehem. It is forever to remind us that we have life through him. And the only way to have it is he said, when he said you've got to eat his flesh, you've got to make him part of you. Because if he's not part of you, you're sitting on the outside looking in. And you don't understand really what Christmas is about. So when you think of Jesus born in Bethlehem, remember he's the bread of life and he's the one who can bring you life because, I'll tell you something, you might think you have life in the world, but what you have is nothing. For without him, it, it, we have absolutely no peace, no hope, and no joy. And I thought, you know, nothing. thing, it's Bethlehem, that little know-nothing place, it was small. It was tiny. It, it, it didn't really have much. You know, we we, we always say no room at the end, but it probably really didn't even have an end. Just had houses. But it didn't matter to God. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, Scripture says, But thou Bethlehem Euphrates, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me That he is to be ruler of Israel. Whose going forth have been from the old and from everlasting. You know one thing that Bethlehem reminds me of? That God's not impressed with your great accomplishments. He's not impressed with our, our wonderful stature that we think is so important. What people think of us. No, what God is impressed with is the heart. He took a little no-nothing city and made it the most important place in the world. See, when he looks at you, he don't care about the great things you do in the world. He cares about your heart. As he he, he told us and he reminds us, you know, as he looks at the world, as he reminds us in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, when Samuel comes looking for the next king because Saul who when the people wanted the king, God said, you can have one. But the one they got wasn't what they needed. So God gave them one after his own heart. Listen, when he gets there and and, and Samuel sees the the, the, the David brothers, and they're, they're, they're mighty and they're wonderful, and he says, surely the first one should be king. But the Lord said unto him, unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, Nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord saith, not as man saith, but he looketh. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You see, you might think you're nothing, but here on Christmas, let me remind you what Bethlehem means you are something to Jesus, you are everything to him. And that's, that's why a little know nothing town of Bethlehem. Next thing I, I wondered, why a manger? Why didn't people? Someone say, "Here, Joseph, your wife's fixing to have a child. You can have our rooms. You can have our. We'll stay in the manger." You think about that today. People see pregnant ladies and and they'll open doors for them. And ladies, y'all know that happens. And then, but once you have the kid, they kind of forget you. You know, is you're no longer important. But you know, it's, that's the way it is. But here, a, a woman comes to town, great with child, fixing to go and and everybody is afraid. And finally, somebody says, "You have the manger." Why why a manger? You know, Jesus' birth was one of the most lowliest of births. The Son of God, he left the splendor of heaven. Think about that. He left the splendor of heaven to be born in a stable with just Mary and Joseph, nobody else there. If you study any customs of, of, of Israel at that time, when a woman with go into labor all the ladies in the family and the surrounding and the midwife would come they would be there for support they would be there to help but here that night in a stable in a cave Mary and Joseph are all alone Joseph's a carpenter he's not a midwife he wasn't a shepherd. He hadn't given birth to the sheep. He was a carpenter. And the only thing else was there was the animals. You know, we know this alone because as Mary gave birth, the scripture tells us that Mary wrapped Jesus with the swaddling clothes. Ladies, you think about that. After the pain of giving birth, she was more concerned with her child than herself. I figured out why because Joseph was probably passed out over here in the the hay.
1: Oh wow.
0: Down he went. Says that she wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes. Normally the family would do that the midwife saw to the mother and the father proclaims my child is born. But all alone in a manger. Think about how, how, how lonely that was that night. Think about that crib they laid them in few miles up the road Jerusalem with its lofty buildings and castles and walls and, and warmth and comfort and Jesus in a stable this old rough probably splintery smelly feed trough that they lay him in it reminds us how much God loves us because God be, took on flesh Think of this, he who hung the stars, he who spoke the world into existence, lays helplessly in a manger. John chapter 1 verse 14 says this, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory in the glory of the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. Can you imagine the love that Jesus has for you and for me to be born there? Hebrews tells us this this is the Son of God. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says this, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You realize how much God loves you? The birth that he went through, the manger he laid in. Why? Because of us. That's love. And that's what the manger reminds me of. It reminds me of the fact that here he's out in the manger. Why? And the Bible tells us there was no room for him in the end. No room for him. You know, it's funny that the only place we ever see Jesus where there's room for him happens 33 years later. A few miles up the road in Jerusalem on a cross where there was only room for him to bear your and my sins. See, the manger is very important because it reminds us that John chapter 2, verse 2 says he is the propitiation for our sins, not only ours, but also for the sins of the world. You know why the manger? It's because of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For the son of God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him it might be saved. So that manger reminds me that Christ is available to all. He wasn't locked behind the walls in a castle. He wasn't placed in the temple where there was a veil of separation. He was in a stable where anyone could reach him. He hung on a cross for all those who didn't. That's why the manger. And the next thing I often wondered, why angels? You know, the angels told them, the angels in verse 10 and 11 says this, the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Which shall be to all people, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. You know, the angels are are significant because why Jesus' birth is is unlike any other. It, it is it it is so wonderful. Angels are powerful and they appear in the Bible at pivotal times. And so here it makes sense that they would be part of the Christmas story. You know, it's it's something truly miraculous that when Jesus took on human form and became a baby, and you think about this, and the angels were sent that night, nobody knew what was going on. Well, I'm sure people in the, the city in Bethlehem probably heard Mary screaming and knew she had been great with child and, She's probably having that child. Well, I, hope, I can just hear it now. Well, it sounds like she's having her kid. I, I hope they don't mess up the manger too much, scare the animals away. So where do the angels go? They go to the fields, to the shepherds. And I, I could go into the shepherds, and I've heard all kinds of things, and you know shepherds, were, were they weren't really... High and the, the 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 order of people back then they were kind of low life and then I heard one and I, I kind of understand this that basically the, why the shepherds were there they were tending the flock of the uh, uh for the temple so they were kind of being paid by the temple to tend the flock and that's why they were out in the field all the time but. That's not what was important. What's important is the hearts of the shepherds and that the, the angels go to them and they announce them. Not only do they announce them, but they say, hey, you need to go to Bethlehem to see. They directed them. And you realize that's something for us to remember because without the Holy Spirit, without God, none of us who love Jesus would be here today. You see, you had to find out about them. Jesus said in in John chapter 6, verse verse 44, he said, No man cometh unto me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him again on that last day. Jesus said, You can't find me unless the Holy Spirit does its work, unless the Father does his work, because he sent you. And if you remember, child of God, do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when God got hold of your heart? Wasn't that an awesome thing? Oh, it might have been the most terrifying thing you ever went through. He might have got hold of you and you said, I don't know about this. I'm not sure. What are people going to think? Isn't it amazing? The first thing that always goes through our mind a lot of times, what people going to think? I think that's why the angels went to the shepherd because they didn't care. I always like one thing about them is they got up and they went. When the angels appeared at the tomb, them guards fell down as dead men. They never said nothing. They told a lie, and the shepherds went to see the king. They went, and hey, they didn't didn't ask. They just got up, and they left, and they went. When the Holy Spirit gets hold of you, and he really gets hold of you, let me tell you, you go. It don't matter what people think because you know God's got something for you that you ain't going to find nowhere else. And that's why the angels were so important, why that, that announcement was so great. Because let me tell you, when you get up and you start walking or you start to say the prayer, the angels are rejoicing, amen? And that's the most important thing to remember, that angels are important. We celebrate Christmas because the angels said the birth of Jesus Christ was good news. And you know what the good news is? The king came, the Savior's here, and he died on the cross for you and me. And one day, ooh, one good thing about it is he's coming back. He didn't just come and die. He said, I'm coming back. Listen, listen, if you don't hear nothing else, he died for everybody. We We ought to celebrate today because of the promise that he made in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Listen, he said this. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And here's what Christmas is all about. I go to prepare a place for you. There was no place prepared for him, but he's got one prepared for you. And he says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. That's what Christmas is about. It's about a Lord who left heaven, who came down to earth, who was born in a lowly birth so that no man can say, hey, oh, uh, I can't reach him. He was born in a stable. He's accessible to all. He lived a life for you and for me. He died on a cross. He rose again on the third day, and one day he's coming back to get us. That's why Christmas is important, because the final work of Jesus Christ is not going to be done until we get to heaven, amen? And that's the greatest thing to celebrate. You ain't got nothing else to celebrate today. You say, I hear people say, oh, I don't like Christmas. Oh, you got to buy gifts. The greatest gift was in Bethlehem. Amen. And the best way to take it is to put it in your heart. It don't cost you nothing. You don't have to worry about trying to return it because once you get it, it gets hold of you. Amen. And it does something wonderful to you. And then let me tell you something. The good thing about it is, is God's always with you. He says, I'm going to prepare a place and I'm coming back. You know, in has gone, sometimes we make mistakes. Anybody here ever make a boo-boo? I do every once in a while. Let me tell you, God loves you anyway. Christmas is a time to remember that no don't matter what you are. He loves you. He went through a lot for you. Christmas should remind us of that. He's gone to prepare a place and he's coming back. And he's coming back soon. And the best thing about the angels kind of happens with the shepherd because once they went and they saw child of God they did something that sometimes we forget we're supposed to do we're supposed to go and tell listen, listen to this let me read this again Just flip page here and the shepherds returned they went and they saw And they started back. And then it said this, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You got something to be joyful about Christmas. If you're a child of God, you've got the greatest gift in the world. You were saved. You're going to heaven. This is not it. You know what would make Christmas miserable? If this was all there was. Because if this is all there was, it would be like the world sees it. Tomorrow morning, they start taking down decorations, throwing away, cleaning up the mess that was made. And they go back to a humdrum life, wondering why there's no happiness. See, it's not the Christmas tree. It's not the gifts that some people hate to buy. It was the gift that came that Christmas morning. That came for you, for me, for everyone. That gift that many rejected. but Hopefully you did. Now go tell others about it. As the song says, go tell it on the mountain, go tell it on the mountain, go tell it in the hills, go tell it everywhere. For Jesus Christ has come. Now we say, Jesus Christ is soon to come. Because let me tell you the next thing. The Father's gonna say, Go get the church, and Jesus is gonna step out on the clouds and call us home. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, Father, I thank you for that birth in that lowly manger. Father, there was no room for him in the end, but I thank you for letting me have room for him in my heart. And Lord, if there's somebody watching us, hearing us that doesn't know you, Lord, they might have been struggling with this their entire life. Lord, I pray today will be the day they surrender to you. They quit making excuses. And they give their heart to you. So they too can understand what the joy of Christmas is about. And Father, this morning there's some Christians who need to to relight the fire in their life. They've gotten out into the world. They've been sitting inside in the inn and forgetting about the Savior in the manger. So, Father, touch them this morning and draw them